Good to see everybody here today. Thank you, choir, for leading us in worship and praise team and children and everyone that showed up for, uh, to hear our children sing. They did such a good job, and I'm just so thankful to be here. Um, I did get uh, uh, some news that, that uh, Becca uh, Brasher, Becca Hooper Brasher, her water broke, and uh, I texted her just a minute ago, and they're waiting to see if it's a little bit of a false alarm, and so uh, we're just praying for Becca and Cruz, and uh, just so thankful for that family, and uh, Miss Sunny Beth is uh, baby girl's name, who will be coming into the world. I think uh, Becca was scheduled to be, to go into labor on Tuesday, and so I don't know if Miss Sunny Beth is making her way into the world a little early, uh, but, uh, but we're praying for her and lifting her up, and we're just so thankful for that family. Also, wanna, uh, I'm very excited and very thankful for uh, Dina and Amberly, who are here today, and uh, part of our church family who uh, moved to Idaho Falls uh, to be involved in ministry there, and they're back visiting here, and uh, we're just so thankful for them and uh, and uh, what God's doing in your life. And, um, and uh, just uh, there's some wonderful stories there about what God is uh, doing in their lives there as they serve in Idaho. And uh, feel free to go up and talk to them and, and ask them questions and, uh, and just love on them. So we're thankful that you guys are here. And so uh, anyway, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Can I get an amen on a March 20th Sunday morning? Very, very good. Turn in your Bible to Joshua chapter number four, Joshua chapter number four, and, uh, and I am crunched for time this morning, and so let's jump right into it, Joshua chapter number four. We're going to look at the first 10 verses of Joshua chapter number four. We'll have that on the screen uh, for you if you did not bring a Bible, or we have a Bible, should be one near you, in front of you somewhere that you could grab and, and read. Hear the word of the Lord this morning, Joshua chapter number four, verses one through ten. If you're here and you're new uh, to Union Hill, we're walking through the book of Joshua. And so we are taking really chapter by chapter. And so today we are on chapter number four. Let's look at the word of God today. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, that is the Jordan River, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priests feet stood firmly and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from among the people of Israel whom he had appointed a man from each tribe and Joshua said to them pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel that this may be a sign among you and when your children ask in time to come what do these stones mean to you then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark uh, of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over the Jordan the waters of the Jordan were cut off so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel just as the Lord told Joshua and they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And there they are to this day, 
For the priests bearing the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished. And the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. And the people passed over in haste. Lord God, bless the reading, the teaching of your word, the preaching of your word. And God, we pray that you would use it according to your will and according to your glory. Father, bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. We are going to continue in our series through the book of Joshua, and we get to chapter 4 today. And chapter 3, if you'll notice in chapter 3 that the people of God stepped foot into the Jordan River, and the Lord parts the sea, parts the waters of the Jordan, very similar to the story in the book of Exodus when God parts the waters in the Red Sea for Moses. This story is a tad different in the sense that they actually had to get their feet wet. Uh, they actually stuck their feet into the water, and as a sign of obedience, as they stuck their feet into the water, the Lord raises the waters almost 20 miles to a neighboring city called Adam. You can read about that at the end of chapter 3. Almost 20 miles away, the waters stand up. The people walk across on dry ground. This is a moment of celebration and a moment of anticipation because they've been wandering in the desert, in the wilderness, for 40 years. For 40 years they've wandered and God has taken care of them. He's been so good. He's given them bread to eat. He's given them water to drink. They're talking about potentially over 2 million people at this time. God has given them quail to eat. God has been so good to them that even their clothes, the Bible says, didn't even wear out, which I find fascinating, that their clothes never wore out. Uh, Someone told me one time, I'll never forget, when I came to Union Hill years and years ago, they told me in this community, Union Hill is a dead church. That's what they told me. And I said, well, said this, Union Hill is a dead church. They're wandering in the wilderness. And I said, well, for the time being, then God has called me to the wilderness and he'll be faithful in the wilderness. You see, the Lord was always faithful to his people even in the wilderness. And by the way, I don't, think the Lord, I don't think this is a dead church. I don't think it's ever been a dead church. We preach Christ. You preach Christ crucified and rose from the dead. I don't care how big your church is or how small your church is. Your church has life because the Holy Spirit is there, right? So, having said all of that, the Lord walked with this group of people for 40 years. But even before that, this group of people had cried out for 400 years for a leader. You can backtrack even before that another 200 years and finally you get to the promise that God gives Abraham for a specific land. And now some 600 odd years later, God is fulfilling his promise in the lives of his people. There's much anticipation and celebration as they walk into the land. This God is fulfilling this promise. The Lord is pressing his kingdom forward. The Lord's doing that today. This is a story about how our God in the lives of this group of people is pressing his kingdom forward to bring Jesus. Ultimately, out of this land, Jesus will come. Even from some of the names that are mentioned from their lineage, Jesus will come. The Lord is pressing his kingdom forward, and he's really doing that today. Somebody may say, why do we even look at the Old Testament? 
Well, the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. And when we read how God works in behalf, on behalf of his sinful people, even in the Old Testament, we find out that our God is filled with goodness and grace and mercy for anyone who runs to him wanting goodness and grace and mercy from him. The Lord is good even in the Old Testament. And he takes this group of people and presses his kingdom forward. And I'm really here today to tell you about this. God did it then and he's doing it now. He's doing it in your life right now, whether you realize it or not, whether you see it or not. God is pressing his kingdom forward on this earth. Jesus talks about the kingdom a lot in the New Testament. When Jesus talks about the kingdom, Jesus pretty much pronounces that the kingdom is here. That the gospel, the good news of the kingdom has come. Jesus is our promised land. I'm here to proclaim to you today that you can walk in the promised land of Jesus. And he carries you on a journey. Your journey may be a little different from my journey. Where you work, where you live, where you play may look different from where I work, where I live, where I play. Where God has placed you and where he's placed me, he is pressing his kingdom forward right now. You may hate your job, but God has placed you there. And When you grab a hold of the thought process that I have a purpose where God has placed me, the job that you hate to go to on a Monday morning may turn just a little bit when you are sent on that job you hate with a purpose and a mission by God to live for his glory and his kingdom. What does the journey look like for you and what does it look like for me? It may be a little different for this group of people. It was entering the promised land. The Lord had prepared a wonderful land flowing with milk and honey. The Bible says in the book of Exodus, the grapes were so big that it took two men to carry them on poles. That's how big the grapes were. The Bible says that this land was rich and that God had promised it to his people at this time. And as they walk into the promised land, across dry ground, they stop. They stop and remember. They stop and they remember. Last week we talked about faith and I brought in uh, an old box. Now a lot of y'all can't really see how this box is made. Uh, Ethan McCreary, before the worship service, got to looking at this box, and he said that you can't really see it from out there, but i got to be honest, this thing is just not sturdy at all. And if you remember last week, we talked about faith, and and I made this illustration in front of my kids last Saturday night. We had a little devotion at the Stevens household. It was not a very good devotion, to be honest with you. My kids had ADD, and our devotions are short, but small seeds grow big trees. That's what we believe at the house, and so we're going to plant seeds as best that we can, and so we put the box out here, and uh, doing a little demonstration on faith out of the book of Joshua chapter 3, and I said, do you think daddy could stand on this box? And Sawyer said, please, daddy, don't do that. Please, daddy, don't do that. And Sam said, please, daddy, do that. Please, daddy, do that. Because he wanted to see me break the box. This is a very flimsy box. But what I said was, as I look back, or this old crate, I look back and I said, I said, what if I said this? I have all the faith in the world that this crate can hold me up if I were to stand on that. But I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to stand back here. But I believe that it, can, that, that it can hold me up. 
Sam says, that doesn't work. And I said, why doesn't it work? He said, well, Daddy, you got to test it. you got to get on the box to see if it works. Please hear me this morning. You can say you have all the faith in the world in God, but I'm here to remind you that even the demons believe in God and they shudder. Believing, saving faith means that I got to stand on the box. No, I ain't standing on the box, but you know what I'm saying. Faith. Faith moves people. Faith is the thought process that I believe the box can hold me and and, and faith takes my belief into actions. James says, faith without works is dead. And so faith would take my belief to make me stand on the box. And really my faith is only as strong as what I put it in, right? And so as we put our faith in the Lord, He's strong enough to hold us. He's strong enough to carry us. Faith, this is is what the text is saying. And so we get into chapter 4 and they pause to remember. You know, one of the greatest enemies to our faith is forgetfulness. The ability to experience the blessing of God or a breakthrough from God, and then forget the moment. It was wonderful at the time, but slowly but surely life moves on, and slowly but surely we forget how good God was during that time. My pastor back at Industrial City Baptist Church, where I ministered for a pretty good long time, he was a wonderful, godly man, his name was James Parker. In fact, his son is John Parker, who, who runs Parker Automotive here in Rock Creek. James Parker, I'll never forget. He was so good to me, but I'll never forget a phrase that he would always say. He would say it so much that sometimes the students there would, would as soon as he would start to say it, I could look over at them, and then they would mock, not mock him, but they would repeat what he's saying silently. They knew what he was saying. It was uh, amusing to me, but, but as I was studying the word this week, this, this phrase popped back out in my heart from Pastor James Parker. James Parker used to say this, and he would say it all, the, all just all the time, that a sheep strays one blade of grass at a time. Just eats and eats and eats his way and eats his way and eats his way and eats his way. And the grass is such a blessing from God, but as the, as the sheep feeds and feeds and feeds and feeds all of a sudden the sheep looks up and he's lost he's not with the fold anymore you you know you know really I see this in my own life I see this in the lives of, of Christians that we do ministry with where they get out of the promised land And hear me, there are Christians in the room, people who love Jesus with all of their heart, but you're in a land not promised to you right now. There are people in the room like that, and you're not satisfied. And the reason you're not satisfied is because you know who your shepherd is, and until you return back to your shepherd, you'll never be satisfied in the land in which you live and dwell in. God has a place for you it's in his promised land. It's in Jesus. Anything outside of that, never satisfied. We, we just sing it, my delight is in you. You want to know whether you're saved or not? Answer this question in your heart. 
Do you delight in God? And if you don't delight in God and never have delighted in God, you don't know him. And God has called you to make him your savior. Straying from the Lord doesn't really happen overnight. It's a slow, gradual process. Dale Davis has a wonderful quote and a little commentary that I'm reading on the book of Joshua. Dale Davis writes this. Can we put this quote on the screen, please? It's kind of a long quote. Here it is. He says, just as in a marriage, the real threat may not be infidelity. It could be. It could be. Some of you have walked through that. But I would even tell you this, in infidelity... This happens first. So, so if you're in a place where you are slowly forgetting how precious your spouse is, infidelity may be a place that you or me are headed. Watch what he says, though. Just as in a marriage, the real threat may not be infidelity, but simply a slow process of forgetting and a gradual failure to remember the preciousness of the other person. So it can be with the Lord. So Joshua says, you must remember what Yahweh has done, and these stones are to serve as a visual aid to that end. What they're doing is, is they take 12 stones and they place them on the west side of the river. And these stones are to be a place of remembrance for them of what God did that day. And so a slow enemy of our faith would be to forget what God did that day. And I got to be honest. I look back on my life just like you will right now and you will think about moments where God was good. And you have these stones of remembrance. Maybe it's your salvation when God grabbed hold of your heart for the first time. I'll never forget it. I was sitting in a pew on the left side of Concord Baptist Church on a Sunday night. There was a revival preacher who had come in and he began to preach and God grabbed a hold of my heart and it literally felt like he was ripping my heart out of my chest. Later on, it wasn't very long that I began to experience that same thing at my house at 116 Pinecrest Road where my parents still live in the back right bedroom. In my twin bed, God began to move in my heart that night and I'll never forget, I didn't respond that Sunday night to the invitation, but I'll never forget it wasn't that much further on that I walked down the hallway at 116 Pinecrest Road and looked at my mom and daddy and said, Mom and daddy, I need Jesus, I'm lost My mom and daddy led me to the Lord that night. I'll never forget it is a stone of remembrance for me. God grabbed a hold of my heart for the very first time in my life and changed me. Have I sinned since then? You better believe it. But God has been so faithful to grab a hold of my heart over and over and over and over again. But the stone of remembrance is when, watch this, when the cross and the resurrection became real to me was that night. 
uh, man, I have all types of stones of remembrance. Maybe it's a breakthrough in your life. I think, I think about breakthroughs in my life. There was a time in this church family that I was in where I felt like the Lord was wrestling with me, uh, where I was wrestling with the Lord on what to do, where I should go. Should I continue to be a student pastor? Uh, should I find a place to pastor? Uh, what should I do? What I was wrestling. I was just in a spiritual low, in a spiritual uh, 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 fog, and I was I, I was just struggling, and I was trying to wait on the Lord, like like we sang about, and I, I really got this sense from the Lord of. Mike, stay put, stay put, stay put. Three Sundays after a wonderful moment of, of, uh, 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 of a stone being laid down one night, three Sundays later, we baptized 12 teenagers in our baptistry that Sunday morning. The Lord reminded me, Mike, if you'll follow me and trust me and wait on me, I will show you things. I will do things in your life and in your ministry. It's a stone of remembrance. Think about my marriage. I can carry you to the place where Aaron and I took vows. I showed my children. I graduated from Pleasant Ridge Preschool. When we walk in there, Sam or Sawyer will say, didn't you get married right here? And I'll say, absolutely. Right up there, me and your mama took vows to the Lord that it's a, it's a stone in my life. I think about the birth of my children. I think about, I think about all these families that you know, are, are having children or, or getting married. I think about the wonderful God-honoring wedding that, that I went to last night with, with Jacob and Katie Jackson, the wedding last weekend with Madison DeLuca and her husband Noah uh, Jackson. I think about Tyler and Zoe, and I think about, um, I think about Becca and Cruz. Have, there's, just, there's just names of people in here that are just flooding my mind about, about marriages and children and how these are stones of remembrance about what God has done and how wonderfully. I think about, I think about people in this place that went through difficult times and God showed up and there was a stone of remembrance placed there in their life. What is your stone of remembrance? The enemy of our faith is to forget how good God is. And watch this. If I can remember how good God was yesterday, guess what it tells me? God will be good today. And if I can remember that God was good yesterday and that God will be good to me today, then guess what that tells me about tomorrow? He'll be good again to me tomorrow. Very quickly, notice why the Lord tells them to pile up these rocks, verses 6 and 7. And, and, and i got to move quick, but verses 6 and 7 explain that really quick. Look at verses 6 and 7. Let me just read part of 6 real quick. Pile these rocks up, verse 6, that this may be a sign among you. It's a sign among you that when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean? And I can hear my kids asking that. Daddy, what do these rocks mean? Then you can tell them about when the Lord parted the Jordan. It's a sign for the children. It's a sign for the next generation. It's a moment for them to, to be discipled by you, moms and dads, grandparents. You are connected to the future generations of God's plan of redemption without you. We could stop right now with talking 
about the gospel with our kids, these stones of remembrance, we, can, we could stop right now and quit talking about it, and it will be like Judges chapter 1, which in one generation the people did not know the good works of the Lord. One generation. This is our responsibility. Please hear me. Discipleship begins in the home. The church was instituted only after the family was. Mom and dad, you have been called to do this. And if there is no dad in the home, mom, you have been called. Maybe your grandmama or granddaddy, you have been called. I could think of the godly influence of my grandparents in my life. Let me ask you, the 12 rocks that you have piled up in your life of stones of remembrance, have you ever taken your kids to those places where God moved and showed them? Have you ever shown them? Picture this. 15 years past Joshua chapter 4. And a father... Here's his six-year-old little son, and they stroll through Gilgal National Park. And the boy spots this imposing pile of stones, and he counts them. Hey, Dad, what are these 12 stones for? The son's curiosity now becomes the dad's opportunity to share with his son about the time God unleashed his power. Hey, Mom or Dad, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. If you say you love Jesus, and I believe it, have you ever shared your testimony with your son or your daughter? And if you say that you love Jesus and you have not, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? If you don't love your son or daughter enough to tell them about eternal life and the way to delight in God, if you don't love your kid enough to tell them that, then who will? My papa used to make crappie jigs. It's crappie season. Got to be the best tasting fish on the planet. Would y'all agree with me on that? I remember going down in his basement and he would take these, these, these feathers that he would order of all colors and he would spend great time and pride and taking this copper wire and these feathers and these hooks with a, with a weight on the end of it. He would paint the weight like, a, like a, the head of a bug. I mean, he would just, I mean, down to the eyeball and, I mean, just crazy stuff. He could put little, little things on the, on, within the jig, within the feathers that would... Um, that would uh, uh, um, rattle, and so these rattled. I mean, he would just, he had, the, uh, he had a mind like a steel trap. The man was an absolute genius, and I would watch him do this, and I remember this big light from behind his head, and I remember these glasses as he would look down upon, he'd look through his glasses, and he would, he would wrap this copper wire, and I'll never forget the few times that I was over there watching him do that. There was one time that he's told me, and it has stuck with me. And I was so little, but it stuck with me. And it was brought out when I was thinking about how 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 nanas and papas have influence on 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 grandchildren. And I was thinking about this. I'll never forget when he stopped in the middle and he looked over at me and he said, "You know, son, God's made you like this." 
sticks. I have to move on. I have to move on very quickly. Did you notice that there were two rock piles in the text? Did y'all see that? There was one on the bank on the west side, and then there was one in the middle of the river, verses 9 and 10. For time's sake, you can just look at verses 9 and 10, but in verses 9 and 10, Joshua actually makes a pile of rocks in the middle of the river. People get all get on the other side, and then Joshua decides, and it's not commanded to him. He just does it, and he builds this, this rock pile in the middle of the river. And, and, and so, so when the waters fall back down, the, the waters actually passed over this rock pile. And, and according to the text right here at this time for the reader, you could have gone back there to that day and, and, and visited where that is. Why would Joshua set up a memorial that no one else would ever see? Ain't nobody going to see this. I mean, the memorial on the, on the west side bank is for, it's for the kids to, to know what's going on. But, but this one in the middle of the river, no one's going to see this thing. And as I think about what Joshua is doing in setting up a memorial for God that no one will ever see, what I think Joshua is doing is setting up a very personal, private place of worship that only God will see. Something devoted to God and God alone. You know, I think it's true. The person that only does his religious actions in views of others really doesn't know our God. I think doing our religious actions in front of others can be, there's a temptation there to be doing it for pride and the pat on the back. Jesus says, you're going to get that. You'll get it, but you won't receive your heavenly reward. I do think that doing our righteous actions before others in the right frame of mind and the right heart attitude, I, I do think that that can lead people toward Christ. But not without personal and private devotion to God. And it's beautiful to me that Joshua sets up this memorial right in the middle of the river. Sometimes the most God-honoring thing to do is to stop in the middle of your Jordan crisis river and give God a memorial of praise. A place that we stop when the waters have been raging around us and we stop right in the middle of it and we say, Lord, I am remembering how good you are to me even though I can't see the waters being pushed 18 miles upriver to the city of Adam. God, I'm going to sit right here in the middle of the chaos and have a private devotional time. Nobody can see it. I'm going to ride down the road. I'm going to cry out to you. I'm going to ask for things. I'm going to adore your name. I'm going to think about the stones of remembrance in, the, in, in previous years of my life, but I'm going to have a moment of devotion in the middle of the river. Father, it's just for you, and here I am, and here you are. God, this is for you. I think that's powerful. I think it's powerful. Stopping in the middle of the crisis to worship is understanding that only he can provide and that only he can take us to the other side. Some of you are in the middle of the Jordan and you're in a crisis. And can I remind you to stop and not forget and to have a memorial placed there in the middle of your crisis of all the good things that God has done. The river stopped and stood up and backed up. Can I give you a heads up? 
There is nothing too big for the God that you serve. I'm going to invite powers up. There's one more little thing that I want to bring out, and I don't have time to stay on it, but I think it's fantastic. Oh, it's just so good. It's interesting to me that the memorial is on the west side of the bank. It would be good if we could throw a map up and we looked at this a little bit more detail. We don't have time for that this morning. But they placed, they placed it on the west side of the bank. They're leaving the wilderness. They crossed the Jordan. I guess from this side, be, this will be correct side for you. They crossed the Jordan, and then they, they placed the, the neighboring little town city there is called Gilgal, and they, they built. It's right outside of Jericho, by the way. If you're in Jericho, you're probably, you're probably watching everything that's transpiring, and you're scratching your head like, oh, my Lord, did you see their God? He just parted the waters for them. Do we even have a God in it that, that can part waters? What are we going to do? So they, they cross and they, they build this, this altar, this, this memorial rock pile here. It's interesting to me, and then, and then here's the promised land. It's interesting to me why it's here. Watch this. And not on the east side. The east side of, which I'm ADD here. I just totally went the Jeffersons, moving up to the east side. I'm sorry. Why isn't the stone of remembrance on the east side of the river? It's a sign so that the next generation, when they want to go back, and as they travel back, don't you remember the people when Moses got them out of Egypt? Why has Moses led us into the wilderness to die? At least we had a place to stay and food. We need to go back to Egypt. There's a mindset on God's people that we want to go back to a land that's not promised to us. I think that the stones of remembrance are on the west side so that in case anybody ever wanted to go back, they had to pass pass by those stones and remember what God had done for them on that day why do you bring that up Mike I bring that up because there's a place in our pasts that we've been called out of that we're not going back it's a land that, that I, that, that's not my home anymore I used to live there it's filled with garbage and and self and and ugliness and and I hate everybody and and I'm only here for my own pleasure. It's a place that it's ugly and I I don't live there anymore. I've been called out of that. I I've been called to live in the promised land. I I'm not gonna go back. We used to sing a song back in the day, a classic, classic, old school '90s repetitive worship song. But the the last tag of it was this. And I'm never going to go back to my old life. I can't go back. And ultimately, we can't go back, brothers and sisters, is because the Bible says we're a new creation in Christ. I can't go back. Good grief, I could just go on and on. 1132. Father God, I pray for the person in this place. 
that is saved and living in a land that's not promised. God, I pray that you would make that man or that woman miserable in that land until you get them into the place of delight and satisfaction. Call them, Father, into the promised land. God, I pray for the person in this place that has never delighted in God. They have never experienced Jesus, never experienced new life. And I pray that you would that you would crucify the old man and bring to life the new man in this place right now. It is a miracle from you. And I pray that for the first time in here, somebody would lay the first stone of remembrance when you grabbed a hold of their heart. God, only you can do that. We trust you in that. If you're here today and you need to do business with God, the invitation is for you. The altar is open if you want to come pray. If you want to come take me by the hand and let's pray together. Or if you want to sit there and call out on the name of the Lord, be obedient to what God's calling you to do. Father God, would you bless this time? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's stand together. Let's begin to sing.